Lombroso story, he has a little bit of a beefier role because after the Magi left, the same thing, uh, God sends an angel to Joseph in a dream, says, hey, dude, Herod's going to come in here and there's going to be what's called the, in the massacre of the innocents. So what Joseph does is he wakes up first thing in the morning, takes his, his, his peeps to e Egypt. Uh, King Herod dies. God sends another angel to Joseph while he's in Egypt. A couple of years later, he says, hey, coast is clear. Go back to Israel. So they go, up to, uh, they go back up to Israel, go to uh, Nazareth. Everybody in this whole story kind of has this whole thing. God tells them to do something, and they do it. And you look through this whole cast. Uh, let me bring Jesus up, okay, this superstar, this whole Christmas story. Uh, this is what Jesus said about himself on why he came. He says in the book of John, he says, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of my Father. Jesus was born born to do the will, to do what the Father had told him to do. That's what Jesus said about him. This is what Paul said about Jesus. He said, but made himself, Jesus, nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, being found in appearance of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. Verse 5, this attitude that's in Christ should also be ours. Okay, y'all, even Jesus did what the Father wanted him to do. Most of us consider ourselves to be disciples of Jesus or followers of Jesus, people who are in love with Jesus, so we follow him. Well, what does that look like? What does that mean? If we are disciples, if we are followers of him, what do we do? Man, Jesus loves, enough, loves us enough. He tells us chapter and verse. Luke chapter 9, verse 23. Then he said to them all, If any of you wants to come after me, if any of you wants to be one of my homies, if one of you wants to be my disciples, if any of you want to, to just live your life for me, this is what it's going to take. Deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me every single day, and follow me. In other words, trusting Jesus enough to say no to the things I want. Deny yourself. To love Jesus enough to know to say no to the things I want and say yes to the things he wants. Well, how do we know what Jesus wants us to say yes to and what he wants us to say no to? We're going to unpack that through this message. But before we deal with what he wants us to do, let's deal with the when he wants us to do it. You saw that whole story with Mary and Joseph and the shepherds and the wise men and all those guys. They were given something by God and they immediately went and they did it. Now, y'all, we've all felt God leading us to do stuff before, haven't we? Be nice to somebody or maybe buy somebody's coffee behind us at, at, at uh, Moto Mart or Walmart. Maybe some of us have been led to pay for somebody's groceries behind us. Or maybe, maybe we've been led to, to, to pay for somebody's rent or medicine. I, I don't know, but we've all felt that leading. And it's not always things like that. Sometimes we feel God leading us, hey, dude, don't go to that website. Or, you know, don't, don't go down that hall that that guy works on because you know that there's a problem. It's not always telling us to do something. Sometimes it's telling us to avoid something. And when God tells us to do that, He's not the only voice that's going on up in here because there's something, uh, I, I want to call it the voice of reason. It could be, it's probably a horrible name that I'm giving it, but you're going to understand what it is exactly when I, when I tell you what it is. God will tell us to do something, then we'll try to talk ourselves out of doing it. Oh, I don't want to embarrass myself, or I don't have time to do that, or, you know, God, that's not really my bang zone, or, uh, or, or maybe God tells us don't do that. We'll say, man, if I don't do that, I'm going to miss out on some fun. I'm going to miss out on some pleasure. And so we listen to that other voice, and here's a crazy thing. The longer we listen to that other voice, the less likely we are going to do to what he wanted us to do originally. Because you give me enough time, I can talk myself out of anything. And maybe you can too. So we hear these two opposing voices. So, so, so what do we do? Uh, when, you know, when God is telling us to do something, the reason why we typically don't do it is because that voice of reason lets us know that if we do something God wants us to do, it's going to cost us something. 
It either means we're going to have to stop doing something that we're already doing or we're going to have to do something that we're not doing. And quite honestly, we don't want to do that because we're kind of cool with things the way they are. And anytime God wants us to do something, we know that it's going to, it's going to cost us something. There's something that's going to be attached to it. Um, maybe God is going to tell you to ask that dude you sent a not suitable for work email to last week. What if God tells you to invite that dude to church with you? Or, you know, it's not above God to say, hey, you know that person you got high with last month, I want you to invite them to the Christmas Eve service. Now, we get that little voice of reason. I smoked with that dude last month. I really can't ask him to church. Uh, that sounds exactly like something my God would have me do. That's exactly what he would have us do. And we don't like doing it because we know who we are. We know our sin. We know our background. We know our thing. And here's the thing. The longer we try to rationalize not doing what God wants us to do, man, it's just easier not to do it. You give me 30 seconds, I'll forget about the whole situation. Or maybe God's going to say, hey, stop sleeping with your girlfriend. Or maybe God's going to say, hey, stop cutting yourself. Every single one of those cost us something. Whether it's time, money, embarrassment, inconvenience, you name it. So we choose to be disobedient more times than not because it costs us too much to do what God wants us to do. And so instead of having a full, glowing, cherry red faith, we kind of settle for a beige Christianity. Instead of having a growing, intimate relationship with God, we have beige and we get to the point, so man, it's just too much work to grow. I'm just, I'm going to say a Christian, but I'm just going to kind of do the bare minimum to get by. And in fact, I've got a little report card. If I can come to church once every, every three or four weeks, check. I'm going to read my Bible every other day, check. I'm going to give my tithe or my offering, check. I'm going to do that. I'm going to go to the connect group sometimes, check. I'm going to do all these little things. And so we think if we have our report card filled out, somehow we're doing better. We've got our little boxes checked. No, that's not good. That's just beige. There's no joy in your life. There's no growth in your faith. And I guarantee you, if that's the way your faith is, when, when keeping it real goes wrong, your faith won't be strong enough to stand. Because the faith that you need when keeping it real goes wrong is a faith that's been exercised, that's growing, that is full of favor, that is full of growth, that is full of life. We don't need a beige Christianity. We need a, a, we need a faith that will, that will endure, that will go. Church, when I start doing what God is telling me to do, when do we start doing what God is telling us to do? Here's the, here, here, here's the answer, immediately. If you sense God telling you to do something, if you're reasonably certain that you sense Jesus is telling you to do something, do it immediately. That is something called the 10-second rule. When I say immediately, within the next 10 seconds. Here's the thesis of something called the 10-second rule. Just do the next thing you're reasonably certain Jesus wants you to do and do it immediately within 10 seconds. Whoa, preach, not so quick. <laughs> immediately? Here's the thing. The longer we wait, we overthink the impression, doubt comes in, and the opportunity rolls out of the way. It's that simple. Um, enter the 10-second rule. And that's what I want to be hitting on today. Enter the 10-second uh, the, the rule. Church, uh, I'm going to give you five sound principles to help us with this 10-second rule, which is what I want to encourage us to do in January. Now, I'm going to give you these five principles, and they're easy, but I give you the five principles because they're going to help you understand the 10-second rule. 
I give you the five principles because you're going to need every single one of these ideas and these principles to go back on back in, in January so you'll know if you're doing these things. Or maybe you get hung up. Filter what your situation is and put it through these five principles. It will help you. Why is it essential? Why are, why are these uh, principles essential? Because I want you to do the 10-second rule. And uh, I want to be able to give you some tools today that will help you determine whether God is telling you to do something or not. Let me give you a little story real quick. And this is a teaching tool I learned from my wife. These are crazy, crazy images. But by the end of the message, you're going to have a, an idea to place on each one of those images. Pam and I were out in our side. But this is a story, okay? It's just a, it's just a teaching tool. Pam and I were out at turkey bluff and we were out there in our side by side and uh, we are on this little bitty trail and it's only a one one lane trail and we look up ahead and there's a there, I think it's a rabbit up in the middle of our path and and uh, uh, I look at that rabbit it reminds me of a rabbit jam I had when I was just a kid uh, I called him Dewey so I we just called him Dewey for short uh, we're looking at that rabbit I don't want to get too close to scare him and man uh, son of a gun, the side-by-side -side dies, so we're just sitting there, and i, I got to restart that thing. So I restart it. When I restart it, the lights come on, and there's that rabbit looking at us, and it just kind of melts my heart because I remember how much I loved that rabbit before my dad took and butchered it, and we had it for supper one night. Uh, it's a story. It's all a lie. None of this happened, okay? Uh, but it just melted my heart, and we just kind of look at it. Well, now I've got a decision to make. Do I go around? It's a one layer. Do I, go, do I back up? Do I just go forward and take my chances? Hope that Dewey's smart enough to get out of the way? And then it dawns on me. Just sit and look at the little things. Just enjoy Dewey in the middle of the road. Again, that story makes absolutely no sense, but I've given you five Im images, and I'm going to put an idea on each one of those images. I'm going to put it on the rabbit. We're going to call him Dew, short for Dewey. Then we're going to look at restarting because it restarts our faith. Then we're going to look at our heart because we need to know the heart of Christ. And then we're going to realize that we don't have to be 100% certain if it's God telling us to do something before we do it. And then we're going to realize that your character is not built upon big decisions as it is as a thousand small choices. It's the little things that determine. Okay, so let's kick it in. Number one, the first principle is this. It is do. Do the 10-second rule. And here is the 10-second rule. The principle is the first. The 10-second rule is the first principle. When you're reasonably certain Jesus is telling you to do something, do it immediately within 10 seconds. Preach why is that important. The Bible says this in John 14. If you love me, show it by doing what I've told you to do. Y'all, these 12 words are at the heart of following Jesus with one word standing out amongst them all. Doing. Your Christian faith is about doing. Living out your faith. Jesus has called us to do this and the call has not ever diminished in 2,000 years. He's still calling us to follow Him. He's still calling us to do what He's told us to do. The 10 second rule, church, it's a motto. It's a vow. It's a promise that, that when lived out will allow you to live a serious life for Jesus. Now here's the amazing thing. You think of this 10 second rule and you think, man, if I'm going to do what Jesus wants me to do in 10 seconds. Y'all, this, this, is, this, is this is where you're going to see whether you're really in love with Jesus or if you're just content to have a weekend affair with him at 10 o'clock on Sunday morning. Are you really in a relationship with him or is he just somebody you see on the weekend? The 10 second rule will separate the two pretty, pretty quickly. The 10 second rule, you start living the rule, you'll either begin to look more like Jesus or you're going to discover that you don't love Jesus the way you say you do. What 
causes one Christian to become a passionate, fire, uh, a fiery Christian? What causes one person to be a commando for the kingdom and for the other one to knock off boxes? Sunday school, church, connect group, giving. What's the difference? I'll tell you exactly what it is. It's a decision. It's a decision. It's a choice. This person over here decided to pursue God uh, with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their mind. This person over here is content to have a beige life. A personal decision to live like Jesus regardless of anybody goes with you. You decide to follow Jesus. No one is going, no one's following after you. You've still chosen to follow him. That's the difference. That's the choice. Church, when you're reasonably certain Jesus is asking you to do something, do it immediately within 10 seconds. There's your first principle, the 10 second rule. Let's go on. The second principle is this. Restart. Church, say restart. Remember, our side-by-side quit. We've got to push the start. Ten-second rule gives us a place to restart. It gives us a place to restart following Jesus again right now, wherever, whenever, and wherever you find yourself spiritually getting off course. You don't have to wait for a service. You don't have to wait for Brother Lynn Turner to show up. You don't have to wait for the right song on the radio. You don't have to look for a new book. You don't have to listen for a new sermon. You don't have to listen to somebody on TV. This is the time. Every 10 seconds, you have a choice to get back on track with God. You don't have to wait six months. You can do it right now. This is a tool to restart your life with God whenever you get off track. Most of us recall a time when our faith was growing with God. It was walking with God. Things were going good. But uh, we got involved in church. But we got bored. We got, we got, I don't know if we got overworked or whatever. You know, we got saved. We're on fire. And then next thing you know, kind of petered out. What happened? We're doing, we're going to do all those same things. Church attendance, offering Bible, checking off those boxes. And basically what happens when we do that, we set our faith on cruise. We're not growing our faith isn't expanding. We're just kind of going through the motions. Cruise is good for the inescape. Cruise will kill a church. And it will hair lip and handicap your faith. Because I'm going to tell you something about cruise control in the church. If you're on a cruise control, if you're keeping up with everybody else, you must be doing okay. Well, I'm as here as much as Bryce. Well... Cruise control can keep you with everybody else, the flow of traffic, but that's not what we're being judged on. Or you can say, well, I'm doing better than some other people. I mean, I'm going 75. Others are going 65. I'll tell you how that translates out. Uh, uh, I know I give more than Bill. My giving. And so if we're on cruise control, what we do is we compare ourselves to everybody else. I'm ahead of some people and... I'm behind some people or I'm keeping up with other people. Man, cruise control is dangerous for your faith. Most of us can recall a time when our faith was on cruise control. Cruise control is a faith killer individually and it's a church killer congregationally. We wait for the Holy Spirit. God, you're going to have to stir something in me. Lord, my, my, my faith is weak. I need, you to, I need you to stir something. I need the right song, the right preacher. I need the right teaching. I need the right revival. I need the right book. So here's the thing. We're growing, we're growing cold in our faith. And what we do is we put it on God's front door and say, Excite me. Stir me, Lord. What in the world do we think? You think it's God's responsibility to make sure you stay spiritually charged? We get, we get wonky in our faith and we, 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 we want Moses' burning bush and then we'll move. 
Or we want Paul's Damascus Road experience and then we'll move. The 10 second rule gives you a place to start right now. Not later, but right now. Years ago it was called revival. Today it's called renewal. We wait for the right message or we wait for the, the right moment. But here's the thing. That is all cruise control. The Bible says, that, the Bible says in Matthew 6.34, Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow has a much trouble of its own. What Jesus is saying is this. If you're going to do something, Maria, for the kingdom of God, don't wait till tomorrow. Do it today. Don't wait till tomorrow. Do it now. And that's where the 10 seconds comes into play. Jesus had told us how to trust God, how to seek his kingdom. He said, do it now. It's like he's telling us to start right here, to start right here, to start right here, right now, today. Church, we've got to stop putting it on God to turn off our cruise control. And we've got to take responsibility for turning off our own cruise control and getting passionate. Y'all, every time you practice, every time you practice a 10-second rule, you turn off cruise control and your faith begins to start immediately. Principle number two, restart. The 10-second rule gives you a place to restart following Jesus again right now and whenever you find yourself drifting spiritually. Okay, so how do we know what Jesus wants us to do? Principle number three. It's about the heart. The more you know the heart of Jesus, the more confident you will be following after him. The more you know the heart of Jesus, the more confident you're going to be following after him. For most of us, we know what Jesus wants us to do because he's led us to that. Or he's impressed upon our heart. Or there's a nudge in our heart trying to get us to do something. To react or to retract or to react. Church, lots of times it's helped somebody. Or maybe... Uh, be kind to somebody. Maybe it's paying for somebody's groceries, or maybe God tells you to buy for somebody, uh, buy somebody's coffee, or pays for somebody's rent. Or you know, we think about God telling us to do, do, do. But there's times where God tells us to stop. Don't go to that website. Don't go down that hallway where that guy works that you know you have trouble with. It could be God telling you to take a hard pass when you're about to gossip or break a promise or break a vow or break a heart or send a text you know you shouldn't. These are the kinds of things that we think of when we think that Jesus would want us, uh, when we think of things that Jesus would want us to do. Love God, love people, live like Jesus type of stuff. But if we're talking about impressions and feelings and nudges, we need to know who's nudging us. We need to know who's impressing upon us. We need to know who's talking to us. If we're going to do this thing, we need to know the heart of Jesus. I want you to, tell you, I want you to know something. Jesus will never tell you to do something that goes against the, the Scriptures. He will never tell you to do something that goes against the Word of God. Jesus will never lead us to do something that contradicts what the Bible teaches. If somebody ever comes up to me and says, Preacher, I know God wants me to divorce my spouse so I can be happy. God didn't tell you that. Preacher, God wants me to sleep with my girlfriend because we're in love. Well, God didn't tell you that either. Preacher, God wants me to get an abortion. Didn't say that either. In fact, anything it says, thou shalt not kill. Preach, God wants me to defy my mom and dad because they don't get it. Man, the reason why we honor our mother and father is because we'll never honor anybody else in our life until we honor mom and dad first. Never will God tell you to contradict His Word. Ever. In John 10, Jesus teaches us the secret of knowing his heart. He says that for a shepherd comes through the gate, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep hear, hears the shepherd's voice, and they come to him. 
And the shepherd calls his own sheep by name. And he leads his own sheep out. The shepherd walks ahead of his sheep and they follow him for they recognize the voice of the shepherd. They won't follow a stranger, but they'll run. They'll run from the, sh they'll run from the stranger for they don't recognize that stranger's voice. Jesus said, oh, by the way, I'm the shepherd and I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Church, the sheep knew the shepherd because they had seen the storms come in over the Galilee. The sheep knew the shepherd because they hid in the cleft of the rock with him. The sheep knew the shepherd because they had sung songs together. The sheep knew the shepherd because they saw the sun come up together over the Negev Desert. They were, they were together because they stayed together. Church, you want to know the heart of Jesus? Get to know him. You want to know the heart of Jesus? You spend time with the shepherd. Our ability to know the heart of Jesus is directly related to how much time we spend with Him. How many of y'all miss connect groups? We ain't been in a connect group about a month. How many of y'all miss it? Oh my gosh. Well, we're going to have an opportunity to get back into connect group the first Wednesday of January, January 5th. And by the way, for some of you, you've been tempted to dip your toe into the connect group pool. I'm going to make it easy for you. These minute, these, the, the first month of connect groups will last 30 minutes a night. You'll spend more time eating than you will be in the group. Hallelujah. In that meeting, we're going to, in that, in that connect group, we're going to, I'm going to give you a brief word of teaching. We're going to discuss scripture. What scripture are we going to talk about, preach? Well, part of this project for January, the 10 for 30, is that we're going to read through the book of Luke together. 38 verses a day. There will be the scripture dropped on Facebook every single day. Morning, Cal, challenge you to do that. We're going to be talking about that at the connect group. Why? Preach, why is that a big deal? Why, is, why are you challenging me to come to connect group? I mean, I just told you, the more time you spend with Jesus to know his heart, the more I can, you're going to know his heart. So the way you know his heart is in his word. Why? Because the best place to start knowing Jesus' heart is by knowing and reading what he did, what he said, and what others said about him. That's why we're in the book of Luke. Okay, uh, principle number three is this. The more you know the heart... Y'all okay? Yeah. I don't believe you, but okay. Uh, the more you know the heart of Jesus, the more confident you'll become a following. Principle number four, certainty. Remember, I didn't know whether we should run over the rabbit, or back, back up from the rabbit, or go around the rabbit. Here it is. The 10-second rule doesn't require absolute certainty that oppression is from God before you obey it. <laughs> this is cool. There are some major, now listen to me, there are some major choices in your life I do not want you to use the 10-second rule with. This is not to be used for, oh, God, do you want me to marry this girl I just met? This is not for that. Or does God want me to quit my job without another job to go to? Man, this is, I'm prom this is not the rule for that. This is not for big decisions. There are some things in your life that you just simply need to pray about and get godly counsel on. Search the Word of God and you need to spend some time with it. Case in point, this week I believe that God has given me a vision for this church uh, uh, for the next three or four or five years. But here's the thing. I don't know if it's from God. It very well could be from Mike. And that's, not, and that's, that's, that's really why I haven't put the 10 second rule on it. Let me tell you about this rule. Some of you are scared to death about doing this because you think if you do the 10-second rule by February, you're going to be a missionary in, in Zimbabwe. Uh, this ain't that, all right? I'm not, I ain't going to let you do that. This isn't for that. This is basic entry obedience. This is entry-level obedience. This is baby steps. These are baby steps, okay? 
So don't think you're going to be in Mozambique in February. The rule is for avoiding everyday temptation. It's for acting on godly impressions to love God, love people, live like Jesus. That's what it's for. It's not for all that other stuff. Man, it's for, it's for Rosiers. It's for Walmart. It's for Moto Mart. It's for when you're at home with your kids or your spouse. It's for the everyday stuff, entry-level obedience. So let's assume that this side of eternity, there may be some level of uncertainty when we're talking about hearing God speak to us individually. You know, it's hard, it's hard sometimes to know what God wants you to do. Sometimes you can just do the best you can. I began to think about that. I was like, in my life, who's, who's exemplified that? Who's been kind of the quintessential epitome of somebody who I thought, man, their faith was banging? I think of people, some of you have not met them, and some of you have. I think of great people like Everett, uh, uh, Everett and Joyce. You know Everett and Joyce. But I think of great people who've passed on. I think of people like uh, Peggy and Wimp. I think of people like Betty and Earl. Uh... I think about people like you know, Midge and Lynn. I think of John and Jane Whitmering. I think of my Duanes. I think of Miss Blackshear, who was the only black woman in our church. But she poured more into me than everybody else in that church probably put together besides some pastors. I think of the Jewel and Garrett Berries, and I think of the Norma Hills, people I've never met, but I know their story. Can I tell you what impresses me about them? It wasn't that they spent all their time looking for the will of God. They spent all their time doing the will of God. They didn't have to have a burning bush. They didn't have to have a Damascus Road experience. They were just going to do the will of God. That is, to me, that's... that's that's where the rubber hits the road. Yo, we spend so much time thinking, oh my goodness, we're going to do something wrong and God's going to smote us. I got a feeling God's saying, dude, don't worry about the big stuff. Just love your neighbor like yourself. Turn your cheek. Love your enemy. Bless those who curse you. We think that it's the big decisions that really determines who we are and things that make a difference. Church, you might be saying, preach, I don't want to do something that Jesus doesn't really want me to do. Like what? Well, preach, I don't want to get in disobedience or anything. Listen, maybe you sense God is telling you to give your space to the guy three, three behind you, the old man who can barely stay up on his cart. Maybe you sense God is telling you, hey, you give that old man your spot and you go back and you take his spot. Or maybe, maybe God's pressing you, you feel that God is pressing you to pay for the woman's coffee behind you at, at Moto Martyr. Or maybe you sense that God is pressing you to, to do something else. Maybe to stop for a stranded motorist. You feel that God is pressing you to do that. And hey, let's just be honest. Maybe God didn't tell you to do that. Maybe you read it all wrong. You know what's the worst that can happen? You just help somebody. You are a good human being. You bless somebody. Now, here's the question. How can blessing somebody and helping somebody not be the will of God? You may very well mess up this rule, but I don't think you'll ever know. I don't think you'll, you'll ever realize it. What if I misread the will of God when I follow through the rule, preach? Um, I don't think it's going to happen. Principle number four, the 10-second rule doesn't require absolute certainty that an impression is from God before you obey. Y'all okay still? 
plenty of time. Principle five. All right, we saw dew in the road. Remember, play my story with me. We saw dew. Side by side quit, so we had to do what? Restart. That means we can restart anytime we need to. If we get hair lip, we get a... Uh, we get sidetracked spiritually. Then we, we go down there, that little rabbit, we, after we got restarted, what did it do? Just warmed our hearts. The way we know this is, the way that we'll, we'll know what Jesus wants to do is we know his heart. We've talked about uncertainty. You don't have to be 100% certain to do it. Lastly, fifth principle is this. It's the little things. Christian character is shaped less by your big decisions than by the cumulative impact of thousands of small acts of simple obedience. It's the little things in your life that will determine your Christian character. Thousand little things that nobody ever knows about except you and God. Lots of us would like to do big things for God someday. You know, maybe we want to be a missionary in Thailand or whatever. Or maybe we want to hit that big lottery and give a million dollars to the church and give the preacher a newer F-150. And by the way, both parties would accept both of those gifts with love in the name of Jesus. That's what God's telling me, all right? Uh, many... How many of us wake up and say, God, I'm going to try to be faithful to you today, ten, minutes, ten seconds at a time? You know, we think it's those great big old things, but really, man, it's, just, it's the small things. God, I'm going to wake up today and I'm going to try to be faithful to you for the next ten seconds. And church, it's not a one-time check that determines your growth. It's not a one-and-done ministry. Some of y'all think you did something because you helped trunk a treat 13 years ago. It's time to do something else. Only people laugh are the people who work. I've enjoyed being your pastor. Maybe I shouldn't have said that. I don't know. Um, I, think, I feel like I've been here long enough just to let you know this is what I see. <sighs> Preach. I can't always do what God wants me to do. I can't always do what I think what Jesus wants me to do all the time. I'm going to give you something else. Okay. You're going to fail. You're going to mess us up. You're not always going to be faithful. Here's a beautiful secret. You can start being faithful right now. Ten seconds at a time. And when you're done with those ten seconds, Sherry, do ten seconds again. Ten second rule is where we start teaching and training ourselves to learn to walk in obedience. Now, here's the thing. I wrote this down and I thought, my people ain't going to like this. Because I just told you it's your responsibility. It's your responsibility to make sure you're on fire. It's your responsibility to make sure your faith is growing. It's your responsibility to make sure that you're growing in godliness. It's not my job. It's not a deacon's job. It's not Schaefer's job. It's not, it's not the church's job. It's not a youth pastor's job. It is your responsibility to make sure you're growing in godliness. Preacher, you're lying. That's not my job. You're, you're the preacher. What are you trying to do? You know I've got scripture to back this up, Jamie. Have nothing to do with godless myth and old wives' tale. Rather, who's training your dragon? You. Train yourself to be godly. Now here's the thing. I want, I want to help you. But at the end of the day, I'm not responsible for your faith and you're not responsible for mine. So what do we do, preach? 
Well, starting in January, CFBC, we're going to do this thing called uh, 10 for 30. I'm going to ask us that we live the 10-second the rule for 30 days. What's that look like, Mike? I might be interested in that. Well, here it is. Kind of simple. Ain't no big deal. Um, the 10 for 30 looks like this. We're going to read the book of Luke. We're doing that because it's a great gospel. It tells you what Jesus thought, said, how he treated the people that he loved, and also treated the people that didn't love him. So we're going to start with that. It's going to be 38 verses a day. Well, what else does that look like, preach? Um, it's going to look like uh, fearlessly obeying God, all right, with what? The 10-second rule. You feel, and here's the thing, I, I don't want you to do, I don't want you to go take every step, does God want me to do something, does God want me to do something, does God want me to do something, does God want, I mean, don't do that, that's crazy. You'll know it when it happens. You'll know it when it happens, okay? Don't get, don't get to, 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 to borrow a Freudian, uh, a Freudian word, don't get anal about it, don't, you don't have to do that, don't make this harder than what it is. Third, you're going to have a prayer partner, someone close to you that can Give you advice, share stories, daily readings, insight. I'm not going to give you this person. You're going to pick this person out. Hold them accountable. I told you them scriptures are going to be on Facebook every day starting January 1-1. Hold each other accountable. Pray daily. Pray for the little opportunities that come up for, for you to listen to God. Pray for your prayer partner, for them to be bold and courageous. Pray for yourself to be bold and courageous. All right. Connect group. I'm only going to do four of them in January. Would you commit to coming to three out of four of? Three out of four of the connect groups. I've already told you, you're going to be there for 30 minutes. Some of you have been chomping at the bit to dip your toe in a pool. Well, baby, this is the baby pool. Sit in six weeks, you don't got a great big book to read, no, no, nothing like that. You're just going to come and, and we're going to encourage one another. So, him, you and I have a decision to make. We can either settle on a beige form of Christianity or we can full send our faith this year. We can settle for beige, or we can full send it. I want you to repeat the 10-second rule with me, because I want you to know what the 10-second rule is. Y'all ready? Do the next thing you're reasonably certain Jesus wants you to do, and do it within the next 10 seconds. One more time. Do the next thing you're reasonably certain Jesus wants me to do, and do it within 10 seconds. Can we do it one more time? Okay. Do the next thing you're reasonably certain Jesus wants me to do, and do it within the next 10 seconds. Well, here, here it is. It's time to make a decision. Now, that very question, it will tell us whether we really, really love Jesus or whether we just kind of like to have a, a weekend fling with him. Because this stuff is where the rubber meets the road. This is where your faith grows. This is it. And I got a feeling that probably, some of you are probably sitting here saying, Preach, I did not come here for this message. I... Uh, I wanted to hear the baby story and joy to the world, and I kind of wanted to get out of here before Jesus even knew I was here. You know what I'm saying? Well, Merry Christmas, okay? I love you. Merry Christmas. I'm giving you something. I'm giving you something that will help you grow your faith in 2022. That's it. And here's the thing. Uh, I got the same thing. And we're going to play with it all month long in January. And we're going to hope to grow in January. So, do the next thing you're reasonably certain Jesus wants you to do and do it within the next 10 seconds. Well, Mike, what do you want me to do? Well, during the time of worship, um, I've got enough bracelets here for anybody who wants to do this. But it says the 10 second rule. 
And the truth is, they, they might seem corny or whatever, uh, but they work. Uh, I've been kind of living in this for a couple of weeks. Got off work from uh, the bug house Thursday and went out to Rosier's. And um, there, there was this gal in there. I, I work with her out, out at uh, CMHC. And honest to God, even before I started reading DeGroff's book, I, God just placed her on my heart. And I said, man, I, I, I need to invite her and her boyfriend to church. I saw her at a roast, at a roasters, uh, and I went to her and I said, "Hey, um, I'm supposed to ask you to church." Um, and she said, "Well, where do you go to church?" Has no idea that I'm the pastor of First Baptist Church. Has no idea where Baptist Church is. I didn't tell her I pastored there. I said, uh, "We're the church down by the library." And she said, I'm going to tell you why it's weird. Me and my boyfriend were having a conversation this morning that we need to go to church somewhere. And I said, okay. Well, we're at the church down there. Go online, chesterfbc.org, see our service times. By the way, that, our, our, our website is where people, that's the front door. Okay, the front door of the church is no longer that. The front door is online. No, well, that's cool. Was that God leading me to, to ask her to church? I have no idea, but I do know this. Whether it was or wasn't, God's going to get glory for it. Whether it was or wasn't, I mean, God's cool with it. So church, what I'm telling you to do is join me. See what happens. 10 for 30. I'm going to ask if you would to simply bow your head and close your eyes. Y'all, in a moment, I'm going to pray and I'm going to I want to pray that we get into a, a time of worship fairly smooth. And I know that what I gave you today is definitely not the traditional Christmas message. I, I get that. But what I gave you today is a, is a chance for you to open up a beautiful gift of growing your faith. This morning as we start singing... As we go into a time of worship, you ask yourself, am I relatively certain that Jesus is wanting me? Am I fairly certain that Jesus is wanting me to be a part of what the preacher said, that 10 for 30? I'm relatively sure that Jesus wants me to do that. And church, if if you answer that saying yeah you know what I'm, I'm fairly sure that's something that he wants me to do then as we start singing this first song of worship open the eyes of my heart I just want you to come up and get a bracelet and put it on go back to your seat and we'll just continue to worship but here two Sundays before the, the year is over I'm asking you to make a decision for January 1 January 1 you start 10 for 30 you start reading the first 38 verses of Luke chapter uh, of, of the Gospel of Luke. Hey, I'm going to come to three out of four connect groups. I'll be here for five or five thirty to eat, and then I'll be here at six for a thirty minute lesson. Whether you know it or not, today you've received a beautiful gift, and I hope you use it. Almighty God, right now in the name of Jesus, I just pray that you would speak to our hearts. And Father, even right now as we go into a time of worship and a time of call to respond, 
Lord, I pray that you would, you would draw us to you. Lord, I can't wait to see what you do in this church at the beginning of the year. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And amen.